second to last challenge of the semester. Who's excited for Thanksgiving? Anybody? Yeah, I'm pretty excited. We're, uh, we actually won't be here for Thanksgiving. We'll be in Malaysia. So we probably won't have turkey. I'm, I'm all right with that, though. I mean, turkey, it's not that great. Probably have some, like, rice and curry. Yeah, it's kind of dry. I don't know. Um, well, I got a lot of uh, pushback there. Um, so for those of you that don't know me, I'm Chris. I get up here about once a year. Um, it's kind of all the, that I have capacity for and probably good for you guys. So I don't get a lot of feedback like that. That's good for me. Um, so if you don't know me, you've you know, probably at least bumped into me. Kind of a you know, large obstruction. I got my scooter now. Um, I'll touch on that later. Um, anyway, so the, the series we're in right now is called Don't Let This Happen to You. It's an opportunity for you guys to see into the lives of some staff more. And, um, she's there. Um, and kind of learn from our struggles and also just see that you know, nobody really has it all together. And um, probably not one of the people you have to wonder about, like having it all together. I mean, last time I got up here, I shared about some pretty deep struggles, you know, past stuff with sexual purity. So I, I thought I'd hit my public vulnerability quota for at least a few years, but I guess not, so here I am again. Um, tonight I'm going to share just some things that I've been going through recently, some things that God has been teaching me through it. And uh, I'm still working through this, so if there's not like a perfect bow at the end of this, yeah, that's okay. So to give you a little bit more background on me, so this all makes sense and has context, uh, this is my fourth year as a part-time staff member challenge. Graduated from USC in 2016 uh, in civil engineering. I work full-time as a consulting civil engineer in downtown LA. Uh, married to Sammy, who I met at Challenge. Uh, we have a two-year-old named Hannah, um, and she's uh, almost two now. Um, if you want to see some funny videos of Hannah, I finally caved and got an Instagram. So my tag is at uh, slightly fat dad. Um, and so I think I have like 20 followers, so I'll probably like uh, at least double that tonight. Um, and then full disclosure, based on some recent feedback from some people, and also my doctor, technically I guess I'm obese now, whatever. So pending a name change to uh, moderately fat dad. So, so uh, yeah, you followed me, nice. So, uh, so don't let that happen to you. That's all I, that's all I have. Um, I'm just kidding. So that's, that's not what we're talking about tonight. Um, it's, I like that one. Uh, it's, it's one of the side effects of the thing we're talking about tonight, but it's not, yeah, it's not the thing. Um, so tonight we're going to talk about something I've recently found myself doing for about, you know, about a year, maybe a year and a half, maybe two. Um, it's called uh, Chasing After the Wind. Um, and so right now I know you think, probably doesn't look like I could chase anything. But, but let, me describe, <laughs> let me describe this to you so maybe you'll be able to relate. Um, so like I said, I've been working as a civil engineer for about three and a half years now. Uh, and I originally got into civil engineering because I felt like God wanted me to end up helping in developing countries and seemed like civil engineering would be a good way to do that. Um, so I went to school and wanted to get a job here first to get some training and eventually end up working in developing countries. Uh, so right now I work for one of the larger land development civil consulting firms in Los Angeles. And, you know, so you can be larger when you have like five adjectives after your name. It's pretty easy. Um, and so I get to actually get to work on some pretty exciting projects, though, and some of them are pretty high profile. Uh, we've got some, like, 50-story high-rise buildings downtown, some projects at USC, so I know buildings that are coming before you guys do. Get to work on some other college campuses, some cool mixed-use projects in Santa Monica near the beach. Um, and I've been doing this for a few years now, so I've kind of gotten to the point where I'm good enough to, like, manage 
our civil portion of the design. And uh, clients will reach out to me if they have questions. If there's a new project, they'll come to me. Um, so I've kind of gotten a little bit under my belt. And so at this company, there's only two formal title promotions. So whether you've been there for five days or five years, if you haven't been promoted yet, you're just engineer. So it's a little unclear and maybe a little bit weird, but, but that's the way it is. And then the two promotions are, I feel like there's a lot of feedback. Is everybody hearing that? No? Just me. All right, it's just me. Um, so the first promotion is associate. So if you become an associate, you know, you've been there a while, you have a lot of clients, a lot of projects, a lot of responsibility. Then the final promotion is principal. So if you become a principal, then you own part of the company. Um, and so when I started at the company, my goal was just to get training and learn because I had you know, a different trajectory to something else that I felt like God was wanting me to do. Um, so I didn't really have any goals of getting promoted. But, but what I found as I kind of gained some ground and gained some momentum is that I found myself over the past year or so really acting and making decisions you know, almost kind of subconsciously with, with that filter in mind of, Am I setting myself up better and positioning myself to become an associate faster than anybody else has done it before? Now, I never said that out loud, but that underlying thought was really driving a lot of my actions and my decisions. Um, and it drove me into positions that caused me to feel a lot of unnecessary pressure and stress. I mean, with work, there's going to be some pressure and some stress, but this was kind of additional to that, just kind of unnecessary. So I took on a lot of projects. I wanted my budget numbers to go up. I offered my time on different committees around the office to kind of gain people's approval of me. Um, took on new clients, tried to get into new markets, and I was just spending so much of my energy working on all these different things. And you know, work is going to take energy, and that's normal, but it was this extra energy, this extra effort, kind of towards somewhat of a trivial goal. Um, and it was, it was pushing my life really out of balance. So talked about this. I pushed out exercise, probably gained like 15, 20 pounds the past year. Uh, Pushed out, kind of more importantly, a lot of energy for ministry and people. And kind of closest to my heart, pushed out a lot of energy for my family. So even though I would be home, um, I would just have used all my energy that day already. And then at one point, you know, in tears, my wife even told me, I'm not satisfied by the way things are going now. Oh, that kind of sucked to hear. And she said, it's because when you're home, you're not really present. You don't have the mental capacity left to engage with us. So that, that was kind of a wake-up call for me, and it kind of really scared me that it had gotten to that point, that she would say, I'm not really satisfied with the way things are going right now. And it forced me to ask myself a few questions. So what am I chasing? What am I really going after? And who am I really doing this for? So what am I really spending my effort trying to do? And I found myself chasing an accomplishment, becoming an associate. That really wasn't even going to have that much meaning. I mean, I was doing it to impress a somewhat small set of people, right? So you guys probably becoming an associate means nothing, right? Um, and, uh, you know, maybe a few people in the industry mean something too, maybe people at work. Um, but honestly, it's not even that impressive of a title, right? Um, I mean, I could work at Staples and become an associate like the next day, like this guy, right? <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, seriously. <laughs> it's kind of a lame title. I don't get it. But anyways, that's the title I was really trying to spend so much of my energy trying to get. It's dumb, right? It's so easy. Like, you guys can so clearly see, like, how silly that is. Um, and we, we're all chasing things, and it's, and it's not bad to have goals. Um, 
But have you ever really stopped to ask yourself those questions, right? What am I chasing, and who am I really doing this for? You know, we all have goals, right? Maybe it's graduation. Man, if I could just get that GPA, then I'd be all set. Or if I can just land that internship or that dream job or start my own company, if I can just get that boyfriend or girlfriend, or if I could just live up to my parents' expectations of me, that's a big one. I mean, you're at USC, so I'm, I'm sure you have something that you're chasing after. I mean, they don't usually let people in that aren't driven in some respects. Um, and there are things you've chased after before and gotten, you know, one of them being getting into USC. And you probably have different things that you're chasing after in different areas of your life, because right, life is multifaceted. So we could look at our life kind of like a pie, where the different areas of our life are like different slices. So you might have family, work, school, you know, health, organizations, clubs you're involved in. And oftentimes what we try to do is we try to scheme and set ourselves up with the right categories and the right amount of each pie and get high enough in each area that when we, that when we kind of experience our life, we feel like, oh, you know, I did it. I feel satisfied, fulfillment. Oh, if we can just get it just right, then we'll be good. You know, the only problem is that from our own experiences, we kind of know that this doesn't work. I mean, you know this. You've probably experienced this, right? You, you got into USC. You, you met your goal. I mean, are you, are you good now? That's it? You got that boyfriend. You made that A. You landed an awesome job. You know, you impressed your parents. You got that cool internship. Yet, when you did all that, you know, were you satisfied? Yeah. You know, maybe for a couple of days. Maybe a couple of weeks. If it was really big, you know, maybe a couple of months. Um, but eventually that, that satisfaction fades, and it's just on to the next thing, right? But maybe you think, you know, maybe those accomplishments weren't big enough. You know, maybe I made associate, but man, if I could just become principal, that would do it. You know, if I could just, uh, you know, get that perfect job and have the house and the kids, and then I'd be good. If you could just be moderately fit dad instead of moderately fat dad, then you'd be all set. <laughs> but we know it doesn't work, and yet we do it all the time. And we see people do it all the time. And it's usually a lot easier to see in other people than it is seeing yourself. So right, you can so clearly see it in me that it's just silly. So there's two examples of people that I recently saw this in that have kind of helped me gain a little perspective on this. So that's kind of what I want to share with you guys tonight. So the first one I ran into actually because of music. So I'm trying to lift some weights again. And, uh, but it's hard to work up the motivation, right? I don't know if you guys have any of those songs that you listen to, and like you listen to and you're like, I feel like I could pick up a car right now. And then, then you go out there and you try, and you still can't quite pick up a car, but at least you picked up something, right? So for me, there's this one guy, NF, I don't know if any of you ever heard of him. Yeah, he's pretty, you know, but um, he's pretty popular right now. Um, and he actually you know, recently had a number one album, so he's very successful in the music industry. And I'm listening to music one day, trying to lift, and I've you know, got his station on, and uh, this song comes up, and it's just him talking. And right, I mean, that's, that's not gonna do it for me. So I press skip, but I've got Spotify free, and I lose all my skips, so I'm stuck. <laughs> so, so here's what he says, and this is actually a whole track in the middle of his album, so I just wanna listen to this. My most considered life. Most suppressed I've ever been. Literally feeling like I'd probably be happier if I was just dead. I had number one on the billboard. My soul is massive right now. Like I may never have a song with me. 
think every day so that I took one day. So I literally had everything that I always dreamed of happening, and I felt, I didn't feel happy at all. And so I think what happened was I sputtered really bad, because I was like, I'm here, and if this is it, there's gotta be more for me, if this is it, So I literally had everything that I'd ever dreamed of happening. And I felt I didn't feel happy at all. I'm here, and if this is it, there's got to be more for me. Because if this is it, it's not going to work. And it's pretty sad, huh? I mean, the guy gets everything that he ever dreamed of, and he's still left with that feeling of dissatisfaction. And why do you think that is? I mean, why wasn't he satisfied by this? What, what would really satisfy him? And I'm not sure if... NF's found an answer to that yet, based on the rest of his music. Um, but fortunately for us, he's, he's not the only example of this. He's not the only seemingly successful person to have dealt with this, right? Reaching their goals and not feeling satisfied. So there's actually someone who wrote down their experiences and, and summarized it in a book. And that person was one of the greatest kings of Israel, King Solomon. And this is how Solomon is described in Second Chronicles 9, just to show you know, how much he had accomplished. So thus King Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. Better than all the kings. He had more money. He was wiser. And all the kings of the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his mind. So I want you to imagine that you're King Solomon, and you pretty much have everything you could ask for, and even kings look up to you and respect you. I mean, you'd think you'd probably feel pretty satisfied, right? How your life, how your life had gone? However, that's, that's not the story that Solomon tells so here's, here's some of what he wrote down about his experience in the, in the book of Ecclesiastes. So he writes, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know folly. I perceive that this also is but a chasing after the wind. So he had surpassed all who were in Jerusalem before him. He got promoted faster than anybody had done it before. He was the smartest guy in the class, got the highest grades. He was the, the wisest guy in the world. Yet he says that all that was a chasing after the wind. So what's chasing after the wind? Well, if you can picture it, right? I mean, you can run after the wind. You, you can't catch it. You chase after it, but it's not something you can grab and hold on to. When you get there, it, it, it doesn't really amount to anything. There's nothing there, right? Just, and it's the wind. It just keeps on going and going. So he continues, try other things. So he says, I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted them all kinds of fruit trees. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the children of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept from my heart no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done, and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was meaningless, and a chasing after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. So he built all these amazing things. I mean, he built the tallest building in downtown Jerusalem. He's loaded. You know, he's got more money than he can spend. He's got all these people around to, to serve him. He's got every pleasure imaginable. Everything that he wants, he gets. But there's his conclusion again. 
All was meaningless and a chasing after the wind. None of this is bringing him the satisfaction, contentment, lasting happiness that he's really looking for. It's all just a chasing after the wind. So he goes, he goes on for about 10 more chapters and then summarizes all his thoughts about his efforts with this statement. Meaningless, meaningless. All is meaningless. So that original word that he uses there in Hebrew is actually, uh, you know, it's translated as meaningless, but it's actually the word hevel. And it, it really relates to the phrase chasing after the wind. So hevel means smoke or vapor. It's kind of like this thing. Let's see if this works. Um, like a vapor, it's, it's temporary. It's fleeting, right? It doesn't, doesn't last very long. Let's see if this is better. Oh. Um, <laughs> you know, it doesn't last long and it's gone. It's also like smoke in the sense that it looks like something tangible, like kind of looks like there's something there that you can grab, but when you grab it, right, there's, there's nothing there. It's like same as chasing after the wind. Um, so what Solomon realized was that everything he tried to do was just, just hevel. It just left him empty. It was just vanity. It's meaningless. Smoke. A temporary feeling that's gone pretty much right after you experience it. Something that you try to grasp, but you just can't. So if everything that Solomon described so far is meaningless and a chasing after the wind. I mean, what are we supposed to do with that, right? That seems like the same place where NF left off. If that's it, you know, man, it's just, just not going to work, like he said. So fortunately, that's, that's not actually the last thing that Solomon says in the book. And he concludes it with, with this. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. So after Solomon spent all this time talking about all these different things that didn't satisfy him, he says the whole duty of, a, of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. So, so what does that mean and, and, and why does it help us? Well, keeping God's commandments is, is basically doing doing what he wants you to do, doing God's will. So how, how do you understand what God's will is? So, so we can actually fast forward a few hundred years to shortly after Jesus was around and see what Paul, who is one of Jesus' first disciple, early disciples, um, says about understanding God's will. And then we'll look back at the pie chart from earlier to help illustrate it and understand why this really makes all the difference. So this is what Paul writes in his letter to the Romans. He says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So you know, here we see Paul's saying how to understand what God's will is. Now, let me ask you a question. So do we get to understand God's will before or after we've kind of offered ourselves to him, after we've committed ourselves to following him? After, right? So we have to offer ourselves to him first, kind of commit to following him first, accepting whatever he has for us first. Then we're actually able to understand what his will is. So if we go back to the life pie chart here, that's, this is kind of what it looks like. 
So when we offer ourselves to God and, and put our trust in him, we put him at the center of the pie. We let him determine what slices, what areas we even have, how big each slice is, and kind of what we're doing in each area. It's out of our relationship with him now that everything else flows. He's now the one determining the direction and the outcome of all that we're doing. Now what this does is it really frees you to relax and enjoy life the way you actually experience it with God, not the way that you think it ought to go or where you think you ought to end up. You get to trust God with the outcome. And you get to be a part of what he's doing and what he's working on. Because what gives life true meaning and true purpose is really who it's for. Who are you doing it for? It's doing life with and for God, with the hope that he can bring actual meaning to the things that we do, and that they really will end up mattering in the long run, because they're things that we're doing with and for him. And in the end, it's God who lasts forever. And like Solomon says, he's the one that brings everything into judgment, makes everything right, gives everything meaning. So how did, how did this kind of play out with my story? Um, so well, at one point, I was kind of here with putting God in the middle, right? I had said to God, well, whatever you want me to do with my life, I'm good with it. I want to do what you want. And that's what led me to the path of, of civil engineering, kind of pursuing that and kind of on that path to helping people. Yet what happened is that over time, I kind of started to drift in my trust of God's plan. Well, what if that opportunity to go overseas never really happens? And what I did was I started to kind of create my own backup plan to kind of take God out of one of those areas of my life and to set myself up so that I could you know, become an associate. So that if this doesn't work out, what I think God wants for me, at least I'll have this thing that I can control. And it wasn't really until I was forced to ask myself those questions that I even recognized that, that this was an issue. And I had to really re-ask God what he wanted. I had, to start, I had to slow down, ask those questions, so that I could start trying to stop chasing after the wind. So there were actually two key verses um, also from Ecclesiastes that God used and to kind of convict me and then to kind of start helping me change. And the first one was Ecclesiastes 4.4. And Solomon writes, Then I realized that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. All achievement springs from one person's envy of another. Yeah, I mean, that was totally me, right? I was trying to become an associate faster than the other people. I wanted what the associates had. I wanted to look better than my coworkers. I mean, that verse was pretty convicting for me. And then this next verse, something that Solomon says a few verses later in Ecclesiastes 4.6, is really what's been helping me start to change. So these are kind of things that, as I've looked to God, these are things that he's given me, and it's helping me. So Solomon says, Ecclesiastes 4.6, Better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls of toil and chasing after the wind. So how does this play out practically? So, for example, last week, um, my boss was talking about a new project, a new opportunity, a new pretty high-profile, high-rise tower downtown. I'm working with the people that, uh, the client that would be working on it. And so my, you know, my associate alarm starts going off, and like, this is another good one. This will really set me up well. Um, this will kind of position me well, right? I'll get all this notoriety. People around the office will know I'm working on all these, pro all these projects. Um, yet this verse kind of came to my mind. It helped remind me that, you know, I really don't want to chase after the wind. And, you know, taking on this thing would really be trying to have, you know, two handfuls. And 
you know, sometimes, you know, we could choose to take on more. But in this case, for me, it was pretty clear, like, this would just be chasing after the win. It's not for God. It would be for me and for impressing others. And I really don't want to chase after the wind anymore. So maybe, maybe you've never really surrendered your life to God. I, I'd, I'd really encourage you to consider it. Because it's only once you surrender that you, can really, that you can really understand God's will and enjoy your life the way it was meant to be. Finding satisfaction in God and what he has for you to do. Otherwise, what will happen is that you'll just end up chasing after the wind. Chasing that next accomplishment, that next promotion, that next relationship, over and over again, your whole life, trying to find contentment and satisfaction, but never really truly finding it. Because you can't find it outside of God, because he's the only one that's really able to give true meaning to it. Or maybe at some point in your life, you know, you did surrender your life to God and really give him control of all the areas in your life. But because it's so easy to drift into chasing after the wind like I did, I really encourage you to ask yourself those questions. What am I chasing after? And who am I really doing this for? And make it a habit of asking yourself those questions you know, every so often, maybe every six months or so. Because it's so easy to find yourself drifting into chasing after the wind, like me, like an F, like Solomon. And you really don't want to let that happen to you. So let me pray for us, and I'll invite the band back up. Father, thank you that you're able to give meaning to our life and what we do when we follow you. Thank you that we can find satisfaction in you. Thank you that you are in control of the outcomes and that we can trust you with our lives. Please help us recognize the things that we are chasing after and who we're chasing after them for. And help us identify any places where we're chasing after the wind and the things that don't matter. Lord, give us the wisdom to know what to do and the courage to do it. Amen.